don't let her have that satisfaction. Mm-hmm. There are always going to be people who will always tell you that you can't do it. Y- yes, you'll stumble and you'll fall, but you can continue. Hello, world, and welcome to Her Royal Science. Let's get started with today's interview. Today, we are speaking to Anne Chisa, who recently received her master's in agricultural science from the University of KwaZulu-Natal and is due to start her PhD in August. She reached out to me after I was featured for Visibility STEM Africa, an initiative she's a part of created to promote Africans and people of African descent in STEM. She is a bright and incredibly driven woman with the passion to do absolutely anything she puts her mind to. But let's start from the very beginning. Anne, what's your story? Well, my story, um, I am Anne Chisa, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. I am from Malawi, mm-hmm. um, but now I'm living and studying in South Africa. Mm-hmm. So I came to South Africa when I was pretty young. I think I was about six or seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started school this side and for the past, I think, yeah, it's about almost 20 years. Wow. <laughs> 20 years yeah. I've been in South Africa, but we tend to go back, um, back almost about every year or every second year because okay. most of my family relatives are from there. Um, and what else? Okay. Well, the science, how do I even start? Um, I don't, you know, you know, when people ask me this question, I always go like, oh my word, I don't have that deep, meaningful story. <laughs> but it's like, your story. It's your yeah, story. true. It's true. Um, with the science, um, I think it can start in high school. Mm. So um, I'm not sure if it's the same, but here in South Africa, when you are in your ninth grade mm-hmm. or grade nine, as we call it, you are told that you need to pick subjects um, that will that you'll start from grade 10 all the way up until you um, in grade 12, which is what we call here your matric year before you start university. Mm-hmm. So I really loved the social sciences. So I really loved your the history. I loved geography as well. Mm-hmm. Um Maths was obviously I had to do maths. I wasn't the brightest, but I, <laughs> but but like yeah, I was I was good at it. I was no rather let me say I was average. Okay. Um, and then with bio, with bio, bio I loved bio, but only specific sections. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved the the human body a part of it, mm-hmm. and I loved the plant section of it. But with the cells and all that small stuff, oh my word, I just. <laughs> <laughs> It just never made sense to me because I always used to be like, but I can't see it. I think I was a very, I'm a very practical person. And that's Mm -hmm. why I also gravitated towards geography. Anyway, Mm -hmm. long story short, um, I couldn't pick history um, and the sciences. I couldn't combine like my history and take the sciences. So I had to pick what they call the, the triple sciences, Mm -hmm. which was your physics, your mathematics, life sciences, and then I added on geography. That was probably the one thing that I was really, really excited about. And I had to let go of um, history. And it really cut me because I loved, I loved history. Mm. So anyway, um, of, the, of the two, the one that I hated was physics. <laughs> <laughs> I really hated physics. And I, what made it worse was that the teacher who I had in grade 10, mm. um, so there was the first class, which obviously these are the 
the top-notch students, and then there was us, the B stream. So Alex, <laughs> the teacher didn't necessarily like our class. Oh. She basically told us that about 80% of us don't even deserve to be in the class. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. About it now. Yeah, she... She was like, none of you guys really even um, should take sciences. And all of you should drop out. And I remember I really wanted to. And I just, most of us were so exasperated. We really just were like, you know what? Fine. Let's, yeah. let's just drop it. And I was like, you know what? Why am I forcing myself doing this? And I remember I went, I went back. I think it was after the first um, term. Mm-hmm. And I was like to my parents, like, look at my mark. It's not good. You know, mm. so why do I have to do this? Can't I just do, um, can't I just do history? That's what I want to do. And I remember telling my mom that I was like in tears and I was mm. like, the teacher doesn't like us anyway. She says, we're all going to fail. We're just wasting her time. And I remember my mom and my dad were like, no, don't let her have that satisfaction. Mm-hmm. There are always going to be people who will always tell you that you can't do it. Yeah. And they were like, yes you'll stumble and you'll fall but you can continue so Mm -hmm. some people obviously they dropped out (laughs) but there was still some of us stubborn (laughs) most of us because of our parents Um, (laughs) no uh, you guys are going to continue because you know typical African parents my child has to be in the sciences so if you don't if you don't do your physics you don't do the triple sciences you won't get into it so we fought that year and um, thankfully we we scraped and we, and I got to my 11th grade and I met the most phenomenal teacher for physics. Mm. She was so patient and I and I I think that was the difference between the 10th grade teacher and the 11th grade teacher. The mm. the 11th grade was like okay I understand you guys um, some of the concepts are hard for you guys to understand but she made it in a way that um, was was palatable to us mm. and mm-hmm. she actually made us believe like oh okay we can actually do this. So looking back, I haven't haven't reflected about this in a long time, but if I had, if I had stopped (laughs) in the beginning where this 10th grade teacher was like, you guys can't do this. I would never even have been there. So I'm also very Mm -hmm. grateful that I had my parents support who helped me like overcome all of those, all of those things. So yeah. um, Fast forward, I finished university Mm-hmm. and uh, I mean sorry I finished high school at that point I really didn't know what I was going to do then mm-hmm. my dad's friend he was an agricultural engineer and he mm-hmm. was like do you love geography you love um, plants and bio this is something that maybe you can look into and mm-hmm. I was like huh all right all right like a farmer <laughs> I also had to say <laughs> a farmer all right and then I was like no agriculture science agronomy <laughs> Um, there's so many things that you can do, especially in Africa. It's a very adaptable degree. Mm-hmm. So I got it and I was like, okay, let, let me apply. And then because in my 11th grade, like I said, I had some very amazing teachers. I got conditionally accepted and I was like, yes, this is what I'm going to do. Then in my 12th grade, cause now you get conditionally accepted. So they wait for your final results. Um, after 12th grade and my maths my maths mark wasn't that good it was below the the required mark I was devastated so they declined so they they like withdrew the offer 
oh my god <laughs> yeah it was it was really really it was it was the most awful thing and but I was so confused and I was like but how is that possible um that I I didn't get this mark I mean when you look at my marks from the year before it made no sense so mm-hmm. I had to go and have a remark and reassess my my uh, my marks so now that means that first semester first year I couldn't do the sciences mm-hmm. I had to do um a social science degree for the first semester while I'm waiting for these results mm-hmm. and um, thankfully when they did the remark they saw that there was an issue and then oh. I sent my res- yeah it was <laughs> yeah they saw there was an issue because it just didn't make sense to me mm-hmm. so I went back to the college and I was like hey these are my results and then they took me back in second semester so yeah that's the story of how what I a roller coaster <laughs> That's how I got into the sciences. So yeah, that that's the story. That's incredible. And honestly, as you were telling the story, my heart started racing as you were talking about your results. Like I was very much invested, even though I, I know that you were successful in accomplishing your degrees. And I was like, oh my God, what happened next? <laughs> I do have a little inquiry about what made you love history so much. You talk about it with such passion. Um, I think the the great thing with history um, is that I had brilliant teachers. I think that's that that will probably come around a lot during this conversation. Mm-hmm. And I truly um, and I truly believe that teachers play such a phenomenal part in building a person's love or hate to a particular subject. So I had a very I had a phenomenal teacher in particular in my in my ninth grade because I had her from grade eight and grade nine she was phenomenal I loved her the way that she taught it just made me I suppose I also had this thing where I always wanted to be like I wonder how it was like mm-hmm. like I really just wanted I just loved everything about it I just it, it, like my mind um my mind always used to just travel back and I really got so invested and I just loved it. I loved everything about it. And um, and it also made me realize like, oh, okay, so this is why this is happening because 40 years ago this happened. Mm-hmm. And then it just it just put that the why out because some things happen and, you know, when you look deeper and you look back at history, and I think that's why I always love history, even though people are like, there's no point in learning about the past. But <laughs> really? People but, say that? <laughs> Yeah, I heard, like I, I remember my friends just didn't get it. They didn't get uh, why we had to learn history. They yeah. were like, it's happened. Why? But for me, it was that beauty of, oh, this happened and this is why we are here. It just, mm-hmm. it just made that connection so much easier. But definitely brilliant, brilliant teachers. They just helped me travel back in time. And I, mm-hmm. and I just wanted to be there as well. <laughs> That's an incredible gift, and it speaks yeah. to why mentorship and teaching is probably so important to you now. There's likely an aspect of you paying it forward. Can you talk about some of the mentorship that you do now in your life? Yeah, sure. In my third year, um, my now supervisor teaches a, a course um, where we teach the, a second-year module. And I loved that course, again, because he was very good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is Dr. Alfredo Dindo. Um, he's now my academic father. I, yeah, oh. that man is, <laughs> he's, he's brilliant. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'll probably get into it later of why he is that brilliant. But anyway, so um, I loved that module. 
and I went out and I was like, hi doc, I know I'm only in third year and usually it's the postgrads who <laughs> who I'm interested in these modules. And I was like, but I really love this um, course. Is there any way that I can help out? Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, you can help tutoring the second years. And obviously I was under the wing of the other postgrads mm-hmm. and uh, that's when that's when the, the bug bit and I was like, um, then I started tutoring uh, at university, the, my fellow second years. In the beginning, the mm-hmm. other students were like, and how are you here? You're just <laughs> a year ahead of us. <laughs> how are you our tutor? And I think once they got to know me, they're like, oh, okay. So, again, it's not only about being the smartest. I think that's the, mm-hmm. the level that I went in. Like, I was not the smartest in the class, mm-hmm. but I, I – I just wanted to, but I always wanted to understand. And I always knew that there's some people who also crave that, but they don't know how to ask. Mm. So I was always like that go between that. If you don't want to directly ask um, the lecturer, you can mm. come to me and then we can find ways. Cause I know from my past experience, how I did it, because like I said, some people are just, some people are not born <laughs> talents I mean well like with the most highest intelligence and I could relate with that because I was like there there are there are coping ways there are coping methods that I've used that have helped me um really grasp some of the concepts and mm-hmm. also just um yeah just just in that in that manner so from then on um, I was helping out the other students past papers and then and then I, I also realized sometimes that with, with tutoring, it's, it's more than just the books. Mm-hmm. You, you get to know a human and that you get to find out their story. Yeah. And then you get to find out why maybe they might be struggling. And if you take that little moment to sit and tutor somebody and they tell you, and then you realize, oh, okay. And then you kind of find ways to work around that. Or if it's above me, then that's when I would probably um, escalate the matter be it to the lecturer or be it to the counselors and in that manner that's when also some of the students really gravitated towards me and um, and then I realized that that was one of my gifts because I always say like not in a cocky manner but I always say that my purpose in life is to be a blessing so Mm. in everything that I do yeah (laughs) in everything that I do I always try to 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 do it in a manner that I can once I can bless you in, in small little aspects. So mm-hmm. I think that's when I found like this is it. This is one of the things that I have to do. Mm-hmm. And then also, so obviously I was getting income from that. Let me not just front like I was just there like <laughs> <laughs> like I was just like oh let me just be a blessing for free. No, the money was good too. And, and then I realized it. you deserve that. <laughs> yeah, <check>. exactly. <laughs> So then I realized, hey, okay, um, I can actually do this. Um, so a friend of mine was a tutor externally. Um, he worked for a company um, externally who really liked university students to assist with the either your primary school students or the high school students. So I reached out to the lady and I was like, hi, I'm already doing this on campus. Um, how can I? How can I help out? So she at that point she was like, oh no, I don't have high school students, but I've got primary school students, and most of the student and they require a little bit more work. And I know, and I was like, okay, let me try, you know, whatnot. And I think that's when I just, I just after my first student, um, he was I think in grade 
five. So he was this 11-year-old kid. Um, very also had his own troubles as well, which I learned. Um, and why he felt not seen in class and probably also some of the reasons that he struggled. So with that, I ended up being... I. I I, I had to do more than just teach him maths, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to sometimes listen to him. And also he he had a very low self-esteem of himself and also the potential given to some of his own um, home situation. Mm-hmm. So I also realized that I had to play the role of showing him what he can be and who he can be and and show him that this is not it. So I think that's where some of the mentorship also built. And I didn't realize that that I was mentoring somebody at that point, Mm -hmm. but it was small things like that, that, and I, and even his grandmother, because he was being looked after by his grandmother, she sent me a personal message and she was like, you know what, and thank you. Um, There's a whole improvement, his whole attitude, he's more positive. So that's when I was like, oh, okay, this is what I'm meant to be doing. So yeah, mentorship, I think maybe like you said that because I had received such, re- I had some really great teachers. Um, I decided to kind of pay it forward unintentionally. Mm-hmm. And from then on, um, I went on to, to do my own thing. And now I also tutor uh, students and I also um, not only in university, but also just in my own personal capacity. And it's been one of the greatest gifts. I mean, okay, I won't lie again and say it's easy peasy because <laughs> it's not. <laughs> but but there's always that satisfaction where at the end of the day, I see there's a whole transformation in, in the human being, not only the mask, I mean, the marks, but mm. the, the behavior, the, the motivation. And I think that is that satisfaction where I'm like, Yes, <laughs> yeah. this is why I'm doing what I'm doing because now you're motivated. You want to do better. You want to be better. Even though you might not have realized it, you reached out to me in a time when the world was just an absolute mess. And even though it was based off of another connection through Visibility STEM Africa, I had been seeking out a sense of community. And you started mm-hmm. that ball rolling for me. I don't know if you realize that. You truly are a blessing. I really oh, do yeah, mean that. And I don't you. want to cry, but it, it was something that I don't think I've even verbalized to you how much it meant to me. I've spoken about it to my partner. I've spoken about it to my mother as well. How it's mm-hmm. almost like the universe heard what I needed. And all of a sudden yeah. I got this email from you. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. Oh what is this? This is incredible. Yeah. (laughs) No. And when you were saying that, I was like, wow, I'm glad she knows that she is a blessing because you really are. You really are. Oh, thank you so much for that. I really, I really didn't know. And just kudos because kudos to you for just replying so quickly. I was so excited. (laughs) We connected so instantly. I was like, yes, Mm -hmm. this is why. And we have the same missions and, um, the the similar views I mean we've never met like never we've never met but even for you you also inspire me and also even you also came at a very good time when I when I needed it especially with the PhD thing and just talking to you and just hearing about your journey and um you were very um you know open about it you're so honest Uh, you explained that of course it wasn't easy, but you realize why you needed to be um, who you are in these programs and to take up mm-hmm. these necessary spaces yeah. um, 
in particular and just to be that voice and yeah also I didn't realize it at that point but now that I think about it I think we the, the universe connected us for a reason and we yeah. we both just needed each other mm-hmm. um in more ways than we we actually think that we did other than just hey let's connect to doing something similar but mm-hmm. yeah which is beautiful which is really really beautiful it is I'm so incredibly thankful for that and speaking of your PhD journey that you're just yeah. about to embark on Tell us a little bit about that. What was it like preparing for your PhD? What was the experience? What were some of the mental, emotional tribulations or joyous moments that you feel you mm. faced as you prepare to embark? Mm. That's a that's a beautiful question. I love it. Um, so, well, my PhD, the journey has been me just even saying that I'm a PhD student is just wild in my head like I just still haven't really um you know really grasped that idea that concept although I have moments where I'm like yes I am but when I think back for example when I was in my second year and I had these tutors as well the postgrads I used to think like a PhD was such a far off thing like Mm. that can never be me like there's no way and also maybe because my master's journey was, <laughs> yeah, was, was a journey, <laughs> oh. was a real, was a real journey. I mean, it had its, it's had its highs, but it also had its lows and very deep, deep lows for me. Mm. And um, there were moments where I didn't even want it. Um, mm. I was reflecting back with one of my mentors who was also somebody who was really very pivotal in me finishing my master's so um he I was I was chatting to him and I remember there was a point last year where I was like to him you know what I'm not going to do my PhD I was giving him every single reason why I shouldn't (laughs) do my PhD (laughs) how it's done here how I need to gain work experience how I'll be overqualified like every single reason that I needed to just not do it and um I think it was even and also obviously 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 after I finished I didn't want to hear that word because that was that's always the question oh you finished the master so what what's the next step are you gonna work I didn't know if I was gonna work and of course the global pandemic happened so I mean there's that which just makes it really difficult I mean already in South Africa the unemployment rates are ridiculously high Mm. um but more so and which is scary even for graduates like there's so many people sitting with these degrees very high degrees your your honors your master's degrees people don't have jobs so Mm. now I'm trying to find a job in a pandemic like really Mm -hmm. so (laughs) there was that so and worse I'm an international student so um I I needed to have a visa because my permanent residence in order for me to be to had not has not come out I mean I've applied and these are all these other issues that just being an international student or just being not from a country one has Mm -hmm. to face so my visa was expiring um month end so I needed to have a plan I needed I mean not month end um end of July Mm -hmm. so as clock was ticking as much as I was saying I don't want to do a PhD but I was like uh dude but so what are you gonna do because this job thing is not happening in this pandemic I mean Mm -hmm. for three months most of 
everything was closed. Yeah. So that's when the panic started to come. So like just to the journey. And um, I mean, I remember when I wanted to do the PhD, I was initially, I was like, okay, fine, let me do a PhD. Like, okay, when I had accepted, like, okay, fine, let me apply for my PhD. Mm-hmm. My university had said that they might not be taking new students. So I was yeah. like, what? How <laughs> do <laughs> I am panicking? Um, and also, but I think it was also another way of where I was entering the PhD with the whole wrong mentality, just for the purpose of doing it, which was also completely wrong. Mm. Um, but thankfully, again, Dr. Odindo, my academic father, told me of an opportunity of where there was um, a scholarship. So in a, this is like middle of June. Um, I'm trying quickly to, well, I think or near the end of June, actually, I had like a month. <laughs> to get my oh life in order. Goodness me. <laughs> it's the most stressful, like, week, two weeks um, for me to put this concept um, and to be accepted. Yeah. And um, also, my my mark was not the greatest of my master's. Again, like I said, my master's was a, was a whole nother issue. So I was like, oh, my word, would they actually take me with my mark? I mean, because usually they were looking for you're 75, you're, you come nowadays. That's what they were really mm-hmm. looking for. And I was like, yeah. oh, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm, I don't get that. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, but we're going to try. We're going to try. And that's what my, my, my supervisor was like, there's, hey, we might as well. We might as well just try, do your best and, you know, we'll see. So it was, it was such an emotional month for me because I was, my anxiety was at my wit's end. I didn't know what 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 was happening. My my fate literally rested in so many people <laughs> who I didn't know. But thankfully, I got the news that I was accepted and I got the funding. I was really excited. So now we're like, okay, I got the funding. Now my university allowed me to register again. Yes. Applying, crossing fingers, praying. Again, more anxiety. Like it was just. A <laughs> a lot of feelings um and then thankfully just last week was it last week yeah I got the I got the email that I've been accepted I was ecstatic I can imagine I'm so excited for you (laughs) I was like oh my god it's working yay oh my god now this is like I was ecstatic and I was like yeah you know Dr. Angie saloning oh my word yeah I told (laughs) I was ecstatic and then the Wednesday I wake up and then I think it really sunk in like oh my god you are going to do what a PhD you but did you not see that you did like your whole master's journey wasn't really that great so how like you know that whole self-doubt now starts coming in like who do you actually think you are? Can you actually do this? Or was this or like, or are, are people can actually see that you're like a fraud? Um, you know, like all of those doubts. And I just went into this like pit of like, I can almost say I was feeling very sorry for myself. And I was like, so many people are expecting so many things. And they're like, you know, um, I, have, I have a great supervisory team of these um, three, two other professors. Mm-hmm. And these are, great professors in their own right I met them fantastic people and I was like oh my word like there's so much expectation now because people really fought for you and mm. it wasn't really meant to happen so now they're gonna see like ah, oh, no maybe you're actually not that smart so then I went into this pity party of just 
I really didn't like I just couldn't do anything I couldn't I I just couldn't and um and then eventually when I got out well I I don't know maybe I was PMSing but (laughs) when I when I got out I spoke to I reached out to some of the incredible people um who I met which I can also attest that I've met some amazing people even Natasha like you said I'm part of the visibility in STEM Africa, both the Natashas, the co-founders, they are some of the people who I look up to and um, who I've met during this journey of this year, um, during my podcast, for example, which we're going to talk about later. Um, And most of these people are pursuing their degrees. And I was like, you know what, just talk to people who are in it, who are in this boat. Um, And then I realized like, hey, it's actually normal. Yes, (laughs) And they're all... (laughs) And they're all like, yeah, and it's 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 perfectly normal that you're scared. And I remember, I got an email from um, uh, my supervisor actually, and he said to me, "Let me just um, quickly find it," which I thought was very beautiful. He said to me when I told him about how anxious I was, he's like, um, "Being a little anxious, especially about something unfamiliar, is sometimes a good thing." This causes you to have raised levels of, of, of adrenaline and is something our ancestors acquired during evolution. It prepares us for to fight or the flight. In your case, the animal is this thing we call a PhD. You're afraid of it at the beginning, but I'm glad that you've decided to fight. Now we must plan how you're going to fight the animal. And I was like, yes. Wow. <laughs> yes. That I is got this beautiful. beautiful. And that's when I realized, like, hey, dude, you're not alone. You've got great support system. And my parents, my partner, he's mm-hmm. fantastic as well. Like, who also, who, he's the one who kept on calling me, like, oh, Dr. Anchis. And I'm like, I'm not Dr. <laughs> <laughs> he's, like, he's like, you can do this. So it's just, I realized, I've, and my friends as well, like, I have amazing support system. And I realized, like, hey, you can actually do this. And, um, and there are people who are going to help you along the way, of course. Like, it's, 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 it's not going to be easy, but we're going to fight. <laughs> we're going to fight. So, yeah, that's, that's the journey into oh. my PhD so far. I, I can't wait to see what comes next for you, because the fact that you've already recognized that the community exists and you haven't even started is a gift in and of itself, because so much loneliness, I find, comes out of feeling like you're there's no one in the world who possibly feels the way that you do. Imposter syndrome is so real and it can be so debilitating. So coming into a PhD, knowing you have the shoulders of some of the giants that you've mentioned that you stand on, I think you are set up for success. I think you are going to have the most beautiful experience in your PhD because you're walking in feeling like you got this and you're going to have moments where that changes and that's okay. It's okay yeah. to have moments of doubt. It's okay to have moments of hesitation and, you know, self-deprecation, although reasonably, like, let's check it <laughs> every once in a while. <laughs> let's yeah, make yeah. it this never-ending spiral. But the fact that you have that and you've recognized it already, you're leaps and bounds ahead of where I think sometimes I felt I was because I'd look mm-hmm. around and feel like I don't really fit in here. I don't blend in here. And no one else is ever going to validate my experience because everyone else feels perfectly comfortable. 
feels perfectly mm-hmm. fine. But the crazy thing about the way the world is now is I didn't necessarily need to have someone in my cohort who looked like me. Yeah. I just needed to connect with someone anywhere in the world who felt the way that I did or who looked the way that I did and walked mm-hmm. into spaces where their face was abnormal or minoritized in many ways. So I, I love the fact that that's where you're coming from, the vantage point that you're coming from. And I would like to speak a little bit about your feelings of anxiety that you felt during your master's and even in the last, I suppose, week of mm. venturing into your PhD. What was it about your master's experience that you felt triggered some of those feelings of anxiety? If you feel comfortable speaking about it, of course. Sure. Um, you know, this topic of anxiety is something that I've only, I don't think I realized it at that moment. Like you said that um, one, one can feel very isolated. And maybe that was the issue that in my master's, I felt very, very isolated. And I didn't recognize some of these feelings, A, are normal. And mm. I didn't have a word for them. I, mm. I didn't have like, what is it? I just felt like I'm panicking or even that, like, I just didn't understand the feelings. I didn't have a word for it. And I think sometimes maybe that's why so many of us struggle mm-hmm. with it mm-hmm. because I didn't, I, I wasn't able to recognize it, but like yeah. you said, reaching out to some of the people who I've reached out to and to the sense of community. And I'll just like to touch on that, that you don't need to be, the community doesn't need to be the people who you see every day. For me, my community, I only realized it at the end of my master's when I was wrapping up, Mm. was academic Twitter. My Mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. The support that I got near the end of my master's, if I had that in the beginning, Mm. it probably would have been so much easier. Like there were moments where I was like, oh, wow, like, Okay, this this is this is that feeling. So um, just to go back on what you were saying, that in my in my masters, I, I didn't I felt like I didn't have a sense of control. Um, mm. If I can say that, I didn't have a sense of control, and maybe I didn't fully understand my project as well as I should have. Um, okay. As I pursue this chapter, this is something that I I really really advocate that sometimes you can um, you. It's great to have supervisors tell you what to do. It's really, really great. But sometimes when that happens, you don't know what you're doing without them telling you what you're doing. And mm-hmm. and and that was the problem for me. I was told, do this, do this. And each time I tried to think <laughs> on my own, mm-hmm. um, there was there were some barriers. They were like, no, you're not meant to do that. That's too complicated. Mm-hmm. Keep it simple. So do this. So I always, I didn't have, it was never really mine, if I can say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was no, there wasn't really that channel for us to have that conversation that how can we adapt it in a way that I feel like it is my project. I know, again, it might sound like I'm ungrateful. I'm not. But it, it there was that level where it, it yeah, that's why I panicked because sometimes I had no real direction of what I meant to do. Like I didn't know the end product. And then when things started to fall apart, that's when I panicked because I was like, so what do I do now? And then it gets, mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, and then there was a point in, in particular because I was planting a, I'm an agriculture student. So I had to plant a trial where I was growing a particular type of legumes um, mm-hmm. called pigeon pea. 
So in order for me to collect my data, I needed to have, um, I needed to have a specific, I needed to harvest a specific amount of things. And it didn't work like that because also mother nature, she's, (laughs) (laughs) she was like, "Mm, no. And I mean, these are the the casualties that happened with working in the field. But so now I panicked and I didn't know how I'm going to do it. How am I going to analyze my data when I have these chunks that are missing? Like, it really, I just, I remember like, th- this is what, July? Yeah, this is when I was harvesting sometime last year. I, if you had to tell me that I was going to finish in December, I would have been like, you lie. You are, uh, <laughs> you are lying. How? How? Yeah. How will I do that? Yeah. But then again, um, that's when I believe that God sent uh, <laughs> um, Saul who came in and really helped me with the statistics part of it to just help us kind of work with what we had. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that's what I'm saying that it just, it, it, yeah, those, those moments where I didn't understand, I didn't know, I didn't know that this, this would end. And I remember <laughs> there was this beautiful piece, there was this beautiful piece um, of, a, uh, I don't want to say advice, but I remember when somebody was asking me like, and how is it going? And I'd be like, yo, it's hard. Mm-hmm. And usually I used to be like, and then people used to give me the answer of, oh, don't worry, it's going to be okay. And I hated that because mm-hmm. I was like, I don't, I don't need to hear that. And somebody said to me, it's going to end. And I was like, yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what I just need to hear that it's going to end. And from now on, even with some of my friends who are going through it, I think sometimes you don't need to know that it's okay. Sometimes you just need to know that it's going to end, it's going to finish, and this is not it. So, yeah, that that was that was the case, that whole anxiety of not having a sense of control and, and the panic, and, and then it escalated to the point where I was stressed. So now I am a stress, I think I'm a stress eater. So mm-hmm. I gained a whole lot of weight, and I was now not able to recognize myself because I was an avid gym bunny. Like gymming mm. was my thing. Okay. And now I didn't have time to to exercise because my like even in the morning. Well, no, I don't want to say I didn't have time. The time was there. I just didn't have the motivation. Yes. I didn't have the strength to wake up in the morning and go to gym because usually that that would be the thing. Like I'd go to gym and. Um, and and then I'd go to thing and then and then of course now the as you're starting to pick up the weight, people are now saying like, "Anne, are you okay? Like, mm. are you pregnant? What's going oh. on? You, oh. you 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 get so now like all of these now these sorts of um exterior issues, and I just felt like I'm now losing control. Not only do I not have control of this project, I now no longer have control of my body. Like there was a mm. lot of sense of control, and then that just helped made you get into this hole even deeper now because you like. Clearly, I have no control <laughs> over my life. And I remember there was a point where I, I cut my hair. Mm. And I, I woke up one morning when I went to the gym. Because now even going to the gym, people are like, oh, Anne, what's going on? You're like, you're gaining weight. Because now I wanted to go back to the gym mm. to <laughs> try um, and lose weight. But yeah. then the people who used to know me at the gym as like, they'll be like, yeah, I hate that. Now I'm like, you're gaining weight. Like, what's going oh. on? So I remember one time after gym, um, I went to, I was like, you know what? I just need, again, it was a, that sense of control. I didn't have it. I mm. I just went to the salon and I told them, please just cut my hair. Mm. I just, I, I just needed something that I felt like I could control. Like I just needed to start afresh. I just, 
yeah, although that didn't necessarily help. And I remember when people were like, Anne, when did you, when did you do your hair? Why didn't you tell me? And I was like, I don't know. I don't have to tell anyone. Like, that's why I'm <laughs> yeah. like, I could have a sense of control. So I cut my hair. It, it helped for like a bit, but then the cycle continued. Again, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't able to recognize it. I wasn't able to recognize, um, yeah, I wasn't able to recognize it. And I mean, I was this person to my students. So at the same time, I'm still tutoring my students mm-hmm. um, where I'll try to motivate them. But me, it wasn't, it wasn't helping. There was a whole lot of self issues that were, and I just told myself, no, I just needed to end and then I'm going to get back. I'm mm-hmm. going to get myself back. I'm, yeah, so there was a lot of things. So yeah, that that was it. <laughs> that was that was my master's wow. journey. Like I just it was that sense of control that I didn't have and I yeah, it just it just it went off to other issues and I think that's something I only realized later that oh, okay, actually this this is the case. So yeah. Wow. Okay. So two things. Uh first of all, I definitely want the audience to recognize that it is never okay to talk about someone's body. Don't point out people's acne. Don't point out people's gray hair. Don't point, none of it, none of it is any, any of your business. So that's the first thing that I wanted to say. And the second thing that I wanted to say was, or the question that I wanted to ask is related to what you just said, that it seems like there was a sudden switch, a realization that I want to do things differently or that Something is happening that I don't like. The feelings mm-hmm. that I'm having, I just don't like it. Was the switch someone else telling you, hey, something's happening here and I want to talk to you in a deep way? Or was it self-introspection and you went, this isn't okay? Um, I think it was self, it was a self-realization. Yeah. Um, I think um, no shade to the people who love me. But I think they realized that it it wasn't the moment yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because, like I said, I I either with the weight gain and the school, um, they didn't want to probably tell me yet. And I mean, with with when people love you, they will love you in any shape, form, mm-hmm. uh, size, you know, mental state. But like I only saw it late, and it wasn't like a instant switch. It mm-hmm. happened later after I submitted and I was like oh wait there was a problem and maybe they were telling me like and why are you not going to the gym anymore and I'd always have an excuse like and you know or my mom would be like no why don't you just go run and I'd be like no I'm tired I just don't you know I think they tried in their small ways to try and remind me who I was but I think sometimes as much as as you can't take, you know, that, that saying that you can't, you can take a donk, a, a horse to the river or a donkey to the river, but you can't make it, can't make it drink. Yeah. And it, it needed to come from me, mm-hmm. but, and then there was also a moment that just be, just after I finished my master's, when I was not sure what I was going to do with my next step, mm-hmm. I reached out to the, the therapist from, um, from my college Thankfully, they even during lockdown, they allowed us to have um, remote consultations. And I had a very that's when I also told them and I was like, I don't know. I'm not me. I just don't feel like me. And I thought it would stop. 
yeah. now that I've submitted my my thesis, I thought it was because of the thesis. I but it, I'm I'm not me. Like I really just don't understand. And and then that's when they they made me realize like, okay, what were you doing prior to that? What are the things that actually helped you be better? That helped you change your mood? And I was mm-hmm. like, as much as I am a very positive person, but I would have these low lows, and I yeah. didn't understand like. I would be really good, but the lows would be really, really, really low. So that's when I was like, you know what, let me just reach out. And I remember I was telling my partner, I was like, I need to talk to the therapist. Yeah. This just doesn't feel right. This this feeling, I thought it would end, but mm-hmm. it just doesn't feel right. And I just made the call and it was, it was like a, whew, like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm not crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not crazy. And they also made me realize that, you know, um, you're not crazy and reach out, tell the people who are close to you that this is what's happening and you'll be surprised that they'll, they'll be there for you. And I think that's why I've been trying to be more, uh, to not suffer in silence, to be mm. more intentional in saying, for example, now when I had this anxiety, I remembered mm. those coping um, um, solutions that my the therapist told me. It was like, tell people. Ask people because you'll find or tell them that you're struggling here and you'll find out that they actually understand. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. And again, like the, I, I didn't really understand this whole mental health thing, but the more mm. that I speak to others, I realize that there's such a huge problem in academia. Yes. Such a huge problem that we, we don't get told that we can do this and we don't talk about these things often enough. Mm-hmm. And it's just really really hard and yeah and I I think that's why some of us we have to be intentional and just say oh my word Anne sounds like she's got everything going on but actually (laughs) she doesn't and it's really great that there are people who can who are now creating conversations and spaces for us to talk about it and even now on this show I've never really gotten this (laughs) honest about it so I'm just thankful that Maybe people, some people who know me from just seeing me, be it on Twitter or some of my people who, friends who might have known me, they probably didn't know this story. So mm-hmm. now I got to be like open about it because, yeah, it's it's not easy. It's not easy at all. But it's something mm-hmm. that we need to talk about. 